chapter 20, and we'll read verses 1 through 18. I'd ask if you can to stand for the reading of God's Word. Hear the Word of the Lord. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we would pray now. Uh, Would you open up our hearts by your Holy Spirit? Uh, Give us minds that understand, hearts that believe. May we be fully attentive to your word. I pray that you would be in my mind and my thinking, my mouth and my speaking. May I only utter that which you want me to. Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would be preaching through me to your people. And may they be built up and may the lost be saved. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. All of us, even those of us who have been Christians for a long time, go through periods and maybe even seasons in our lives where we doubt, where we question Christianity. We question what we believe. We question if the Bible is actually true. We question, you know, did Jesus really rise again from the dead? And, and, and particularly it's when we go through seasons of loss, of grief, trial, when we just see atrocities around us and just 
causes us to come to conclusions or causes us to actually just ask the questions and to wonder, is this actually true? Is what I believe and what I've been taught or what I read in the Bible, is it actually true? And how do I know I can actually trust this? When we come to John chapter 20, we, we actually discover that Christianity itself arises out of skepticism and doubt. At the beginning of Easter morning, there actually were no believers. And we have a few characters in this story that I want us to be focusing on. And, and, and particularly, there's two that have these contrasting views when they observe the empty tomb of Jesus. Mary goes to John and Peter and tells them that somebody has taken the body from the tomb. And, 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 and so Peter and John go to the tomb. And it, but it's interesting that Mary and John in particular, we don't know exactly what conclusions that Peter arrived at, but Mary and John both see the same evidence. They both see an empty tomb. One believes... And the other does not. David Bisgrove actually has some interesting thoughts with regards to that. Mary, Mary sees the empty tomb and she concludes that someone has taken the body or the body has been stolen. John, who is this, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, he sees it and he concludes that Jesus has risen from the dead. So the question is, which one of these, Mary or John, which one of them has faith? We are saying, well, the obvious one well, is John. Well, actually, they both have faith. Mary, she believes that there is a natural explanation, right? There's a scientific explanation explanation as to why the tomb is empty, right? There is a reasonable explanation as to why the tomb is empty. And she says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. The interesting thing, and Mary actually says this twice, but the interesting thing is Mary has no proof whatsoever that anybody has taken the body of Jesus but she arrives at that conclusion why because resurrection does not fit into Mary's worldview as far as Mary is concerned once you are dead you are dead and dead people do not rise again from the dead so obviously the tomb cannot be empty because Jesus has risen from the dead. There must be a scientific reason as to why the tomb is empty. Mary, even later on, actually sees Jesus raised from the dead, standing right in front of her. She looks at him and she concludes can't be Jesus because dead people don't rise. It must be the gardener. She's looking at the evidence 
in the face. But her worldview doesn't allow for dead people rising. So does Mary have faith? (laughs) Well, actually, certainly, because doubt is an alternative belief. And whenever we are being skeptical, it's very important that we need to question our doubts in the same way our doubts cause us to question our faith. Then, of course, look at where Mary's faith led to. Look at the result. Verse 11 says, Mary stood weeping outside of the tent. The great evidence of the best news that ever happened in the world. She's standing right beside it and she's weeping. She's bawling her eyes out because the dead body of Jesus isn't there. She is weeping. In other words, she's in a place of despair. And we could say that Mary has put all of her please excuse the pun, all of her Easter eggs in one basket, right? Jesus the Messiah was never supposed to die, and if he has died, then he's obviously not the Messiah. She drew this inescapable conclusion, and therefore there is no basis for hope, no basis for forgiveness or afterlife or justice in this life or restoration or new worlds. All of that died when Jesus died. And so Mary looks at the empty tomb and she just weeps. But now, why and how do Christians arrive at the conclusion that Jesus actually did rise from the dead? Well, what is it that convinces John? It's interesting, go back to verse 5 says about John, it says that he saw the linen cloths lying there, right? The, 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 the cloths that, wrapped, that Jesus' body was wrapped in, you know, and then there was that headpiece and it was off by itself. It says he, he saw the linen cloths lying there. Verse 8, then this, the other disciple, that's speaking about John again, who reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. Right? Mary sees she doesn't believe. John, he saw and believed. And, and that word saw, is not, he, simply, he didn't simply see. He, he was processing what he saw. It's like he looks at, okay, that's interesting. It's like, okay, first of all, the tomb is empty. That's very interesting. Um, Jesus' body isn't there. Well, that's really interesting. What, well, what could have happened to his body? But another interesting thing is that there's these grave clothes that Jesus' body was wrapped in. That actually is there. And so he would have been probably processing something to, to, to the effect that it's like, okay, like if somebody stole the body of Jesus, the most valuable thing on Jesus' body were, were the cloths that it was wrapped in. Right? And all the spices and everything else. That was actually why people stole bodies. Because that was what was valued. The body itself didn't have any value. Why would you leave the most valuable thing lying there? And then on the other hand, it's like, well, it couldn't have been, so it couldn't have been grave robbers. But, well, maybe it, was, maybe it was another disciple. But, well, that doesn't make any sense. Because if they were disciples of Jesus, faithful followers of Jesus, why would they dishonor his, the body of their Lord by unwrapping his body and, and having it exposed and naked and taking it away that way? 
That doesn't make any sense either. So John is is looking at this evidence, right? It's it's not blind faith when he arrives at this conclusion. It's not blind faith, right? There's the empty tomb, there's the grave grave clothes, and then he combines that with the claims of Jesus himself, no doubt, where Jesus repeatedly has said, I'm going to die, and three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. He remembers all that he knew about Jesus, the evidence of him being the son of God, all the miracles that he performed, raising Lazarus from the dead, casting out demons, walking on water. And then as well as the testimony of scripture that the Messiah, as verse 9 says, the scripture says the Messiah must rise from the dead. He puts all of these things together and he concludes that Jesus is risen. And that he is Lord. And so God, and, and God doesn't require, and Christianity as well does not require that we believe without thinking and without reasoning. John was processing and arrived at this conclusion. God doesn't leave us without evidence, He has given evidence, He wants us to believe. But there's even more evidence for why Christians become. Or, where, yeah, the disciples and others become Christians and believe that Jesus rose again from the dead, and that is the eyewitness account. And, and there's many eyewitnesses, but here we're just focusing on Mary. She's the one who is the first one who sees the Lord. And she spoke to him. And, and nothing less than actually seeing and interacting with Jesus would ever convince a skeptic. A scientific, reasonable woman like Mary to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And this is also the only explanation as to how the disciples went from absolute unbelief to total faith in Jesus. Is that they saw Jesus. And not just once, but repeatedly. Right? All the, all the disciples were skeptics. At one time, they were all unbelievers at one time, right? Not a single one of them, even though Jesus had said repeatedly, I'm going to be crucified and three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Not a single one of them. Like you think at least one of you think somebody would be entertaining that idea of the possibility. You know, Jesus did say he would rise again on the third day. And you'd think that on that third day that somebody would have said, you know, maybe, maybe we... He, everything else he said about himself was true. Like, maybe we should just go and check it out. Like, who knows? What have we got to lose? But nobody is there. And the only ones who go there are the women who are going there not to find a risen Jesus, but a dead Jesus because they're there to anoint his body. Which is, by the way, very different. So in other words, not, nobody expected to find a risen Jesus. And that's very different than many skeptics would believe, well, you know what? Everybody believed in resurrection back in those days. Back in, of course, they believed in Jesus. They, they, everybody believed that Jesus rose from the, you know, people just believed in those kind of things. Well, not the disciples, not Mary. They, they thought that was the last thing in the world that they expected was that Jesus actually would rise again from the dead. And there's, friends, there's no better explanation as to why Christianity and the church ever took off in the first place and spread throughout the world and spread so rapidly, 
Right? Christianity sprang up full-blown immediately. It was not something that just kind of grew gradually. This person became a believer, and then a few years later, another person actually believed as well. And then, you know, and then it went to another town. And over the centuries, you know, then there was a few thousand of them or whatever. It's just like, no. It's like thousands immediately after Jesus rose from the dead. Not centuries later, not even decades or even years later. And it didn't happen on the other side of the world. It's, it's really easy to start a religion that, you know, where the claims have, you know, it happened thousands of years ago. It happened on the other side of the world where nobody can verify it and check it out to verify it. But Christianity not only sprang up full-blown immediately, but in the very backyard of where it happened, right? Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified, Jerusalem, where Jesus was buried. And so, at the very least, we know something happened. And if it wasn't Jesus raising from the dead, then you have to have an alternate belief, you have to have an alternate, an alternative explanation as to why Christianity ever existed and blew up in the first place. And you know what? That's going to be even a greater miracle than Jesus rising from the dead. So in times of doubt, it is vital that we keep on reminding ourselves of the reasons why we believe, the evidence for it. And by the way, the fact that it was the first person that ever saw Jesus risen from the dead was a woman. For us, you know, we're kind of really used to that. And oh yeah, okay, woman, man, who cares, whatever. Back in the day, back in Jesus' day, Women's testimony wasn't, wasn't even accepted in court. It was actually Celsus who was, who was a, an opponent to Christianity, I, I think a century or so later. He wrote stuff against Christianity. And one of his most convincing arguments for why Christianity couldn't possibly be true was because the first person that saw Jesus risen from the dead was a woman. How can you believe what a woman has to say? And so then, the que- and so then of course, the, the question is, if Christianity was a made-up story, you just wouldn't include that. That is not how you would make it up. But it's Mary, a woman, who sees Jesus first. Jesus reveals himself to a woman first. Verse 15, and Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Right? As if that would be good news, right? Like, oh, I hope I can find the dead body of Jesus. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. Must have said it in a certain way, you know, just that familiarity. And once again, right, Jesus is, is acting in an unexpected way. He doesn't rebuke Mary. He doesn't abandon Mary. Instead, he just calls to her and calls her by name. Which is really good news for those of us who struggle with doubt. And that is, our doubting doesn't change who Jesus is. And Jesus is very patient with our doubts. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then she must have been just clinging to him. What has just happened 
to Mary, right? She goes, she's weeping her eyes out. And now she cries out, Rabboni! And she grabs Jesus. What has just happened to Mary? She has been reborn. She's been reborn. She goes from the pit of despair to the mountaintop of joy. Right? Because the reality is, it would have been terrible. It would have been a tragedy if Mary had found the dead body of Jesus in the tomb. But no, she finds Jesus alive. He's alive. He's not just revived, but he is resurrected. And her life would never be the same again. And then what about you? What about you? Why are you crying? Why are you doubting? Why are you angry? Why are you depressed? Why are you despairing? Why are you anxious? Yes, life can be hard and disappointing and confusing and heartbreaking. But if Jesus really did rise, it changes everything. He conquered death. He conquered death. What else is there to be afraid of? We have every reason for hope and courage and joy and faith. So no matter how dark your day may be or your soul may feel, remember, Jesus is risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. Cling to that reality. Stand on that reality. Yes, everything else may be a disaster. And yes, we may experience significant loss. And no, we cannot explain why all these things happen, but we know that Jesus has risen from the dead. And it is enough. It's enough for hope. It's enough for happiness. And it's a reality that will eventually swallow up and transform every other reality. Jesus' love is real and is unchanging and it is unending. And all that he says and promises can be trusted. Forgiveness and life and heaven are all realities to those who believe. And you can live out of that confidently. The tomb is empty. Jesus has risen. For those of you who are skeptics, for those of you who maybe you don't believe or you used to believe or you're wondering what you believe, my question to you is, Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? What are you looking for? You may carry a hope with you about an afterlife or a better future or a better world, but, but what do you base that on? Science? Right? Reason? I mean, these these tell us just the opposite. Things are not getting better. And outside of Jesus and outside of Easter, there is no basis for hope. We stand condemned before a just and holy God because of our sin. There's no way to save ourselves or to escape death and judgment. And weeping is the only logical and appropriate response. But the gospel is, Jesus came from heaven... And he lived the life that we should have lived. And he died a tear-filled, agonizing, 
sin-atoning death, the death of someone who was lost. And then he rose in order to secure forgiveness and hope. And to wipe away tears, call us by name, and make God your God, and make the Father your Father. What else is there? Who else is there? Consider the evidence. The empty tomb. The body gone. The grave clothes. The eyewitness testimony. And call upon the name of Jesus and be reborn. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we along with Mary, just want to cling on to you. And we're so grateful that not only did you die for us, but that you rose again from the dead. And that you gave evidence for it. We didn't have to hope, pray, guess, or wonder. Stone rolled away, tomb empty, grave clothes still lying there. And you showing yourself. You showing yourself even to the one who is the most skeptical and the most unbelieving. And you convinced her in a way that only you could convince her. You just said her name. And she was reborn. And thank you that uh, through her testimony and the testimony of other disciples as well, uh, that we have come to know and believe that you really are the Lord risen from the dead. May we cling to that in our, in our moments of doubt and our seasons of doubt and when we have questions, we don't know what's going on in our times of tears, our times of suffering, times of temptation. Oh Lord, may we cling to the reality. Tomb is still empty. Jesus is still risen. Still, you still know our names. You're still preparing a place in heaven. You haven't gone. You haven't left us. You haven't abandoned us, but you are with us. And may we cling to that reality. And may it fill us with hope. And may we um, instill that hope with one another, reminding one another, preaching the gospel to ourselves, but also to one another. And Lord, for those who have maybe turned away from the faith, or maybe they've never come to faith, we pray that this would be the day where they say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that the tomb is empty. I believe that you did rise from the dead. I believe that you give life to those who believe, and I believe in you. Would you forgive me of my sins and give me everlasting life? May I be reborn as well. And Lord, thank you that that's a prayer you love to hear and answer, and we pray all of this in your uh, living and hope-filled name. Amen. Amen.